This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today I sat down and talked to Mindy Schmidt. Mindy is a super passionate archer. She shoots tournaments all over the country. Um, she works at a bow shop in Ishpeming, straight line archery with Shelly. Uh, and the story of how she got into archery is just unbelievable. We get into it fairly quickly in the podcast here. And then eventually we t- talk about the story of her recent shoot that she just got back from and all the work that went into that after some pretty major setbacks that she had before that. Um, so I really enjoyed this one. I hope you guys do as well. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Mindy, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, we met at the archery shop in Ishpeming. You had told me the short story of how you got into archery, but can you give me the long version of that? It would just happenstance. You were there with your kids. Well, my kids were homeschooled and as a homeschool mom, you are always looking for activities to do with your kids. So a homeschool group I belong to arranged archery lessons. Okay. Um, and even though I had lived in Ishpeming for years, I had never been to the archery shop. So we go to the archery shop for, um, these lessons and the kids fell in love with archery. So we were there a couple days a week and, um, Shelly and Randall who, um, own the archery shop tried to get me to shoot a bow several times. And being a person who, um, is a bit of an introvert and a person who, um, really doesn't like to make a fool of themselves. I resisted and we probably went to archery lessons with the kids for, a good six months before Shelly finally convinced me to shoot a bow. <laughs> and um, once I had that bow in my hand, that was it. I was hooked from that moment on. Like um, literally the first shot? Yes. Unreal. Absolutely. Okay. So you, that first shot that you took, I mean, we'll get into it, but now you're competing on a national level, right? Mm-hmm. You just yes. got back from that. We'll, we'll, I want to talk about that in a bit. But that from just straight no interest, finally got convinced to do it. Do you remember when you picked that bow up, what you're thinking? Were you doing this just to keep Shelly quiet or what was the... It was something that I wanted to do, um, but I was afraid of A, making a fool of myself and B, hurting myself. And then I got to thinking, well, you're letting your kids do this, right? So if it's something that you're going to hurt yourself with, you're certainly not letting your kids do it. So stop thinking about that. And then it was... You know, my kids kind of teasing me, come on, mom, come on, mom. And <laughs> and and so finally I, I did it. And I had been watching them long enough to sort of know the basics. Okay. Um, so you pick up the bow, Shelly stands right next to you, shows you how to load the arrow, points you in the right direction at the target. You release that arrow and you just turn around and you are smiling from ear to ear. It was just instantly so much fun. Yeah. Um, I cannot tell you if I hit the bullseye. 
um, that first arrow, I just knew that it felt amazing. Yeah. And I was hooked. Do you remember why? Not that you have to be able to define it, but do you remember why it felt amazing? No, I don't. Um, maybe a little bit of freedom, maybe just a little bit of fun. There was just something about letting that arrow go hmm. that you just you just smiled and you were you were just so happy to be doing it yeah. again couldn't tell you where it hit on the target but all i could tell you was that it felt amazing right the freedom side of things i wonder if there's something there are you typically pretty reserved you, mean, you mentioned introvert but are yes. you typically on a like in, yeah conservative safe yes okay yeah i don't i I don't tend to take a lot of risks. I don't tend to step outside my box. I keep my social circle pretty small. Um, I'm once you get to know me, I open up, mm -hmm. but I'm not that person that's out there just, you know, putting herself out there making friends. I'm I'm I tend to be quiet and kind of happy in the background. Yeah. I just wonder if there's and again, we don't have to define it, but I wonder if there's like a correlation between the way you've lived your life being conservative and reserved. And there's something there where you have to let go. Like physically, you're letting go of the arrow, but also once it's re released, you're like letting go. And you mentioned the freedom side of things. I wonder if it's just something that it's like contradictory to maybe what you're typically used to. Now that I shoot more, I can tell you that the feeling that archery gives me is sort of a Zen feeling. Okay. It's very meditative for me. I don't, um, there isn't a lot of thought that goes on. There is in competition, but when I'm just out in the woods shooting my bow, it's calm. It's peaceful. It's, it's like yoga with a bow. Hmm. It's, um, it allows me to just quiet my mind and kind of relax. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at today, but do you think that you felt that right away or did it take a while to start to feel it, that it's a meditative thing? It took a while. Okay. Um, when you first start it, you are thinking about every single motion that your body makes. Yeah. Um, you're, you're trying not to hit your arm. You're trying to hit the target. You're, you're very conscious of everything that you do. Um, now I can shoot arrows and it's just... Um, it's a motion that just kind of naturally happens, but like anything, when you first start it, it is, you think about every single thing that your body's doing. So, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's still, it feels amazing. It's mm -hmm. just a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that first time you are instantly hooked. Did you shoot like many times that day and you're going to bed that night? Can't wait to get back there the next morning. Or do you remember what that process yes. looked like? Yep. I shot a lot that first day and then couldn't wait to go back. And at the time, um, the shop was doing a ladies night. So I made sure that I went to ladies night every week. I think it was on Monday night. So I went to that. I took my kids. Um, it was everybody ready to go shoot archery. Yeah. And I was just shooting. I didn't have a bow at the time. So I was just shooting one of the Genesis bows which is the bows that we give people who don't have their own equipment. Um, it's the kind of bows that they use in the NASP program in school. So it's a very universal fit. No sights, no bells, no whistles, just very intuitive archery. Sure, yeah. And how quickly, so right away you're hooked and you're, and you're shooting a ton. How quickly before you got your own bow and you took it to that next level? It wasn't very long. I had a friend <clears throat> who... Um, had a bow sitting in her basement that 
her son had had and she wasn't using it. Um, old bow, very, okay. very old bow. Um, I actually named it dino bow because <laughs> uh, it's old. Um, steel cables, the works. And she gave that to me to use probably within a month or two of me picking up my first bow. And I took it into the shop. And I, at the time, I had no idea about equipment. I didn't know if it would fit me, if it was safe. Um, I just knew that I had this bow and, um, and Shelly made it work. So um, I started shooting dino bow and um, then I fell even more in love. Yeah. Do you have any experiences like this in your past? Anything that you took this instantly and seriously? No. um, Anything that I've ever decided to do, I'm, I'm a pretty stubborn person once I put my mind to it. So anything I ever decided to do, any sport I ever decided to play, and I did play hockey and I was a cheerleader. Um, I grew up um, playing musical instruments. Mm-hmm. So um, I took, in high school, I took band very seriously. Um, I performed in Carnegie Hall. <laughs> I so, so if I decided to do it, I gave it my all. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't ever half do anything um but i've never fallen in love with anything like i just fell in love with archery yeah crazy so you've done things before where you were really committed to it but nothing to the extent of the passion for it hey correct that's crazy yeah so you had dino bowl mm-hmm. you're shooting that and what did that progression look like did you get to the point where you're feeling pretty confident pretty quick um dino bow was never going to shoot great okay. um I love Dino Bow. I still have Dino Bow, but yeah, yeah, he was he was never going to be great. Um, but he was mine, and I was able to try a few different styles of archery. So with that bow, I was able to put a sight on it, um, an actual rest on it. I tried shooting fingers initially, um, and decided that I wanted to um, progress to a release. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first bow that I shot that had a peep sight in it. So, you know, we started to go with some things that actually fit me. Okay. Um, and I was obviously, anytime you start adding those sorts of things, you're going to shoot better than you are if you're just shooting a Genesis bow. Right. Um, so I did shoot better with that bow, but it wasn't until I got a real target bow that I actually started um, scoring better scores. Sure. And time frame wise, six years ago, roughly, is that what you said? That 2016 you was the first time I ever picked up a bow. Okay. So yeah, about six years ago. Okay. Crazy. So, but these ladies nights and, and different times, and you just mentioned you got a target bow and you started sh- shooting better scores. Were you keeping score early on? I mean, you were shooting, I don't know that world enough to, I mean, that's a naive question. From the start, were you keeping score? I competed locally a couple tournaments with Dino Bow. Okay. Um, and I, so I would keep score, but it was not anything that you would um, write home about. Sure. Um, in archery, you are classed like A, B, C, um, according to what your average scores are. Mm-hmm. C being the lowest class. And I was in C class. Um, which is to be expected because it was something I had never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figure if I had to estimate, I probably shot a bow for the first time maybe late summer, early fall of 2016. Um, it was probably November-ish that I got um, 
the old York bow that I shot. And then by May, I got a target bow. So okay. within six months, I was um, to the point where I was actually shooting a modern bow that was capable of shooting better scores and um, and actually progressing with. Yeah. And still just loving it this whole time. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so then, but thinking about the uh, progression We'll talk later again. I mentioned already you just got back from a shoot that you did very well at. It seems to me that for somebody to get to that point, they have to have some super gifted natural ability early on. And and that sparks that. Or is it just that straight hard work can get you there? I guess. Can, can you touch on that? It's a little bit of both. I was fortunate that where I got started um, up at Straight Line has people who are very good teachers yep. and who actually care. So by the time a bow was put in my hand, I had the benefit of getting instruction so that I didn't have to unlearn a whole bunch of habits. Mm -hmm. So I was given an edge just by virtue of the fact that I had instruction from the beginning sure. and good solid instruction. Yep. So there, that plays a huge role into it. If you have somebody who is willing to guide you and hold your hand right from the beginning, um, you automatically have a huge advantage. Um, there are natural abilities that play into it. Um, and there are physical attributes that help you um, as an archer. But ultimately, um, if you have good instruction and you are willing to be teachable, that goes a long, long way. Archery is really cool because, you know, to, for some other sports, those physical, natural attributes that you're born with, you really don't have a chance without those things. Hmm. Um, with archery, it's so adaptive because anybody can shoot archery. Um, there are phenomenal archers out there who have no arms hmm. and they can shoot archery. Um, there are people who have who are in wheelchairs and they can shoot archery um, all ages all skill levels anybody literally anybody can shoot a bow hmm. so there's a way you just have to be willing to adapt and be flexible right right um, <clears throat> so I touched on the natural ability versus straight hard work but mm -hmm. early on when did you realize that hey I might have something here Or was it never that? Was it always just, let's keep having fun? It's hard because anytime you start doing something, you want to be good at it. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to be good at it. So I was willing to put in the work. And I think it was probably, it was probably within a year that I realized that it, it could be something for me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not a person who says, oh, I'm so good at this or, or anything like that, but, um, I wanted it and mm. I was willing to work to be good at it. Um, so anything that, that didn't come naturally, I was willing to ask questions. I wanted to learn, um, and I wanted to be good at it. I would be on the range with some people who'd been shooting for way longer than me. And I would watch them mm -hmm. and I would look at them. And I can remember thinking, um, 
boy, I hope that I can have a target like that someday. And now I look back on that and I think, you know, boy, that wasn't the target to want. This Mm -hmm. is the target to want. Um, But I I can remember looking at people who were better than me and thinking someday, someday I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot like that. Yeah. And you just keep reaching for it. Right. So you had talked about before when we had met at Straight Line Archery that your mantra, your Mm -hmm. motto, however you want to work at, like you will always outwork anybody. Yes. Right. Like that's what you look at. And I think that's what it takes, right? But I'm still trying to just, I guess, parcel out the how much of it is straight work and take somebody who isn't you and they work just as hard as you will be able to do the same thing. Of course, that's impossible to answer, but. It is. You can. So if I were to put my bow down and not pick it up for six months and not put in any work, it'd be rough when Mm -hmm. I picked it back up. There is a lot of endurance and stamina, especially when you're thinking about outdoor archery, and there's no way to to prepare for that except to work. So you have to keep working if you want to keep shooting. We'll see people in the shop um, and they'll come in and they haven't picked up their bow in six months, nine months since last hunting season. And they'll be a little bit frustrated about how they're shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the question. When was the last time you shot your bow? And if the answer is, well, not since last summer. And the, you know, the result is it's going to take you a little bit to get back into, um, into shape. In some ways, it's like riding a bike. Once you know how to do it, um, you pick it up and you just start from scratch again. But, um, there is, there's a lot, you have to practice. You have to. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you were shooting some of these local tournaments. Yes. When did you start branching out outside of that? Did you first see success locally and then decide to go out beyond that? The first state tournament that I shot was the um, state field and hunter tournament in 2018. That was my very first state shoot. And I won that shoot. Um, And I didn't decide to go to that until the morning of. Wow. And I had been shooting locally very well. And, And I was very excited about that. And probably 2018 was the year that I fell in love with outdoor archery because it was the first time that I'd, I shot outdoors in 2017, but learning the ropes of the different styles of archery, you know, there was a lot, there's a lot that goes on with learning the rules. So I, I can't say that, you know, I super enjoyed it that year, I enjoyed it enough to to try it the next year, but once you don't have to think so much about the rules and you can just do it, mm-hmm. um, then it becomes a little bit more relaxing and fun. So, 2018, <clears throat> I started um, again. I took it to the state level, and I'm trying to think. I believe, I believe I attended indoor nationals in 2018 in Cincinnati. And that would have been around, around March or so. Um, went to indoor nationals with absolutely no hope of placing just 100% for the experience. Mm -hmm. Indoor archery and outdoor archery, um, are very different in that 
in in my class in indoor archery, you have to be perfect. There is hundred percent no room for error. Hmm. Um, the winner will be decided on perfect score and X count. Um, and usually it goes to a shoot off, and you know you're you're looking for inside out X's. So it's very much a game of mental stamina. You have to be perfect. And that's, there's a lot of pressure in that. Outdoor archery, at least for the females, um, you can drop a point or two and still be in it. Hmm. Uh, if you drop a point indoors, you're done. You're done. You go from, you know, on the podium to maybe 15th with, with one point. Um, if you drop two points, you might be 35th. Hmm. Um, drop more than that, you know, you're, you're page five. Uh, and that's okay. Right. That's that. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, it is it is a little bit more relaxing outdoors because you have one bad arrow and and you can still make that up. So mm-hmm. so you don't have to quite have that perfection mindset that you do inside. Okay. So indoor nationals would have been probably 2018 that I did that, and that was 100 percent for fun and for the experience and for meeting people, there was absolutely no expectation whatsoever for that. Um, The state shoot at the end of that summer, I went knowing that I could be competitive, Mm -hmm. not, not expecting to win, but knowing that I was shooting well. And if I shot well, I could, I could do well in that shoot. Hmm. So, but all along I'm thinking about, like you're t- shooting these ladies nights, you're doing this, you're competing locally just as a way to have fun, but there's still like a mental shift or maybe you knew it all along to go out to these national shoots, to go to these state shoots. Did it just like slowly but surely just become a part of you and that was just a given or was it like a big moment to decide, you know what, I'm going to go? No, there was no big moment. Okay. It was just wanting, enjoying shooting my bow and wanting to be better. Um, so I would say in early 2018, I wasn't, I wasn't training for anything, I guess. I was just, I would practice. Um, I'd be at the shop by that time I was working at the shop. So, um, I would come in early before we opened because you can't practice when there's customers, um, there's just, it's, there's just too much work to do. So mm-hmm. you are giving your 100% to the customers from, you know, the time you open to the time you close. So I had made the decision to get up early and get my practice time in before the shop opened. Um, but there was no, there was no thought to, um, you know, winning tournaments or, or things like that. It was still just a lot of fun. Um, it was probably at, I had set a, I remember setting a goal for myself for 2019. So I had attended indoor nationals in 2018. I had, um, won my first state championship in 2018 and I had decided to set some goals for 2019. And one of them was to shoot all of the state shoots and there are seven of them. And each of them is a different a different style of archery. I had made the goal to attend one 
I attend indoor nationals, but attend one extra national shoot um, indoors. And I chose um, the Iowa Pro-Am. So there, it, it wasn't about winning any of those tournaments. It was about gaining some experience. Mm. So I wanted to branch out. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to experience these things. Um, part of it was for our customers at the shop because you're thinking to yourself, you know, we've got these people in there. They're they're asking for advice about 3D shoots, um, tack, that sort of stuff. And I've never shot anything like that. So I need to get out there and get some real life experience. Um, part of it was that I recognized the need to, um, if I was going to continue shooting, I needed to, to network. I needed to put myself out there and meet some people, make some friends, um, connect with other archers because that that was going to be necessary down the road if I was going to continue competing. So it wasn't I need to I need to place on the podium at any of these shoots. It was I need to get myself out there and get to these shoots. So all the state shoots in 2019, indoor nationals and one extra national indoor tournament and that was my goal. So that was probably the first the first time I had decided you're going to compete, you're going to get out there and you're going to, you're going to put yourself out there and start, start doing these things. Hmm. And how did that go that 2019 year? Um, the Iowa Pro-Am was the first shoot. Um, and I took second in that, which, um, was, was huge for me. I had competed in the, um, women's money class, which is a semi-pro class and, um, and I was one point down going into the second day and I made the fatal error. And this was a learning experience. I made the fatal error of looking at my phone and I got distracted by some text messages back home and my mind was on that. And I started dropping points, um, on the second day because man, my head wasn't in the game. My head was back at home. And um, I found myself in the position where I was now having to shoot off for second place. And in hindsight, that shoot off was probably the best thing that could have happened to me archery wise. Mm. In the moment, I was kicking myself because in my mind, I blew it. Yeah. And it was all because I was distracted. Um, but I have that shoot off target and I won that shoot off and I have that shoot off target hanging at the shop. And every time I look at it, it's a reminder that number one, I can do it. Hmm. Um, and number two, keep your phone in your pocket. Don't, don't let yourself get distracted when you're out there competing. That's where your mind needs to be. Yeah. Um, there is nothing that you can do. Um, for anything back home, anyone anywhere else, um, it, it's your moment and, and you need to be there 100% mentally. Huh. Yeah, no, that's a good, good, good lesson there for you to take moving forward for sure. It was, it was, it was a hard pill to swallow at the time. But again, looking back, that shoot off is, is one of, one of my favorite archery moments when hmm. I look back at it. But crazy though, because that's on a national scale. You said a semi-pro class. There's one class above you in yes. that yep. shoot. 
Okay, let's continue the progression because if you don't mind and let me know if I'm taking too long, but I like to hear how it changed for you, what it grew for you. How did those state shoots and that go for you that year? Um, I, well, I didn't even know it was a thing until later in the summer, but there um, is an award for, in, in, in the state of Michigan, there's an award for the top archer in any class. And I shoot adult female freestyle mm -hmm. um, in the state of Michigan. And I didn't know until the end of the summer that there is a shooter of the year program or I guess competition for that. And what it does is it takes um, the all of your scores for the season and assigns based on where you finished on the podium, you know, place one, place two, place three, place four, it assigns you a point value. And the archer who finishes with the most points at the end of the year wins shooter of the year. Hmm. I didn't even know it was a thing until toward the end of the year um, when another of the girls was telling me that she and I were pretty much neck and neck. And once I found out about it, of course, I wanted to win it. Right. Um, but I, I didn't, it wasn't anything that I had set my sights on at the beginning of the year. It was, it was, it became a goal later on in the year. I can't tell you what tournaments that I won that year, um, other than I'm pretty sure that I won the state 3D tournament that year because it was quite literally my first 3D tournament ever. I had never shot a 3D target before I went to that tournament hmm. and... Oh, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I remember on my way home, um, my girlfriend Julie had texted me that um, I broke the state record. And so the, I was over the moon about that because, again, you go in there, no expectations, never having shot a 3D target ever outside. We shoot them in the shop, but outside I had never shot a 3D target. And, um, and I can remember pulling over. I was almost home. I was somewhere by... Gitchigumi on Lake Superior. And um, I pulled over to read that text from Julie and found out that I'd broken a state record. And I remember getting out of my car and jumping up and down and, <laughs> and being really excited about that. So that was a lot of fun, you know. Um, and just the rest of the ride home, just this big grin on my face because that was cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm sure that I, I did win Shooter of the Year. So I'm sure I won other... Um, turn uh, other state tournaments, but I, I can't tell you which ones. Okay. But that's crazy from 2016 to 2019, having never picked up a bow for mm -hmm. six months, having Shelly trying to t tell you to let's try this and finally doing it to w breaking state records and shooter of the year in three years. Yeah. Did you process that? Like, did you realize this is just unbelievable or how, what was that like? Um, you start feeling pressure. So okay. It, it becomes a little more of a job and a little less fun. Okay. When you start going to national shoots as an archer, um, if you haven't grown up around it, you start looking at all these people and they're wearing jerseys with their names on the back and they've got all sorts of sponsors all over their jerseys. And you start thinking that that's the way that it should be and that that should be your goal. So at the time, I started thinking... Number one, that now people expect me to win, and there is pressure with that. Mm -hmm. um, not good pressure either. Just a, I'm not an adrenaline junkie, so that sort of pressure was hard for me to process. But also, sponsors start reaching out to you, and 
you think you're supposed to. You think you're supposed to sign these contracts and do these things. And there wasn't really anybody for me to talk to about um, how to handle all of that. Yeah. I didn't have any girlfriends who were professional archers. Um, and a lot of times when you, you know, reach out to big name archers, part of our, part of the contracts are non-disclosure. Right. Um, so it's hard because they can't always be a hundred percent transparent about what's happening within their contracts. So I was signing these contracts and on one hand I was flattered. I was extremely flattered and I was excited. Um, but on the other, I started feeling expectation and pressure to go to these shoots and win. Mm -hmm. And what if I didn't, what if I didn't win? Um, you know, were people going to be mad at me? Were people going to be upset with me? Were people going to like me less? Um, now I have, I, I've made the decision to not be sponsored, except I, I do have one contract that I um, have with my string company. Um, and I keep that contract because number one, they require very, very little of their archers. Um, number two, I think that their strings are fantastic and I will shoot them and I have shot them before I was um, under contract for them. I, I just think that they're, I believe in the product 100%. Um, and number three, I really think that um, as a company, what they stand for, um, their promotion of small shops and things like that, I really believe in. So um, I let every other contract go. I okay. let arrow sponsors, site sponsors. Um, I it's it's easier to shoot when you're just out there having fun. Yeah. There's no expectation. It's it's less of a job. Huh. I don't think many people would have one understand understood that and two had the guts to follow through with that. Like you have the sponsors why most people would stick with that. I think that's sweet that you that you decided that or one was able to acknowledge that this is putting pressure on you. That's taken away from what you initially got into it for, as well as having the strength to be, you know, turn down the financial gain from it and say that this is more important. That's crazy. There are archers who do this for a job um, and they have to be sponsored. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at Paige Pierce and I, I, I can't even imagine what her contracts say for starters, but that's her job. Mm -hmm. You know, it's her livelihood a hundred percent. Um, for me, this is, um, a hobby that I turned into sort of a part-time gig. I mean, I do make money shooting my bow, mm -hmm. um, but it isn't what is putting, um, the food on the table at the end of the day. Yeah. So I'm fortunate that I had that option. Um, a lot of the people that you see as big names in the archery world, it's their bread and butter. And they have to um, negotiate their contracts and, and pick and choose carefully because at the end of the day, it's paying their bills. Yeah. Um, and you have to respect that. But that's not my situation. For me, the only reason, if I'm brutally honest... The only reason I was signing contracts was a pride thing. Sure. Um, it feels cool to be wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, you go to a big shoot again and everybody's wearing the jerseys. Um, so you 
want to look like you fit in, you know, you, you, you want to be part of that group, but brutal honesty, it's, um, it's hard. And the only reason I was doing it was because I thought it was what I was supposed to be doing. And again, pride, it felt, it feels good to be wanted, Um, but it is not what is paying my bills at the end of the day. And ultimately at the end of the year, am I giving up some contingency money? Yes, I am. Um, but I'm also enjoying archery way more because I can choose what tournaments to go to. Um, I can choose what, you know, classes to shoot in if there's an option between amateur or semi-pro. Um, I am not um, a card-carrying NFAA pro. Um, that comes with its own set of restrictions. But there are some tournaments um like the Iowa Pro-Am, where you can shoot a semi-pro class and not be um, an NFAA um, pro. Um, There are some shoots that if you have ever shot a pro class, you have to shoot pro class there. You have to make sure you know the the rules um, and and where you are um, when you register um, for different classes. Um, The shoot that I just went to last weekend you can shoot um, amateur. You can shoot, um, if you're an NFAA pro, you have to shoot pro. Um, or you can shoot pro as a as a non-NFAA um, pro. So okay. that one has options too. You just, you just kind of have to know, you read your rules. Yeah. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Let's get into that. So that shoot that you just got back from. So there's two classes. It's either amateur or pro, and you can shoot it as a non-NFA pro yes. in the pro class. And yes. that's what you did? Um, I shot as an amateur. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yep. Um, I shot as an amateur, number one, because um, I just had um, abdominal surgery in March, and I am not 100% um, physically strong um, quite yet. And because, um, my, I went with a couple girlfriends in this shoot, it's pretty unique because you can actually request to shoot with up to two other people. Hmm. Most shoots, they just put you with the people who are shooting your class. Um, this shoot, they allow you to ask to shoot with two other people, and then they will put in a fourth, um, to bust your group sure. to make sure that um, the integrity of the scorekeeping is is being maintained. Right. So, you know, you can shoot with two other people, you know, but you're going to have somebody else in your group that you don't know um, so that they know that you're, you know, they don't know that you're honest. They mm-hmm. want to, they want to make sure that the, the shoot integrity is upheld. So they're going to put that, 
um, group buster in with you. Yeah. Okay. So, and you had mentioned that, did you even question whether or not you could go shoot? Absolutely. Um, so the surgery that I was supposed to have was scheduled for February 15th. And I scheduled that surgery, um, knowing that I had a girlfriend flying in from Utah for this shoot, knowing that they had moved this shoot from August to June this year. So last year, this shoot, the, um, it's the NFAA Midwest classic trail shoot. Um, and they had had that in August last year. And this year they decided to move it up to June. So it's my favorite shoot. It is such a cool shoot to, mm. to go to. Um, but the course is huge. The actual loop of the course is something like 10 miles. Um, one of the girls that I was shooting with, she mapped it out because you, you shoot the loop over two days. And um, over the two days, we walked 12 miles last weekend on that course. Wow. Um, it's as far as courses go it's flatter than some but there are some hills and tricky footing and things like that so i remember coming back from it last august thinking to myself that it was the most physically and mentally draining course that i had ever shot last august when we shot it it was like 95 degrees and i don't even want to guesstimate on what the humidity was um you walked off that course and you just you just collapsed hmm. you were done so I knew that it was going to be intense and I knew that I had to be somewhat physically in shape for it. So again, I scheduled my surgery in February thinking that I would have enough time to train. Um, that surgery didn't go well and I ended up needing a second surgery. Um, so I had that March 21st and that was um, one of the very first questions that I asked the surgeon, I said, you know, is there any chance whatsoever that I'm going to be able to do this shoot at the beginning of June? Again, I had a girlfriend coming from Utah, really, really, really wanted to shoot it with her. Um, and, and it's my favorite shoot of the year. And he said, you know, I, I can't tell you yes or no for sure. Mm -hmm. If you heal well, if you work hard, there's a chance. Um, so that was my goal to do everything in my power to heal as fast and as thoroughly as I could. And once I got the go ahead, um, it was May 2nd that I got the go ahead to train for this shoot. And I looked at him and I said, I need you to understand if you tell me I can train, I'm going to train hard, right. like hard, hard. And he said, well, be smart, listen to your body, but go for it. Yeah. Um, and so I did. I mean, I trained hours and hours and hours a day. I did yoga. Um, I lifted weights. I shot my bow. At the time, I was only shooting 25 pounds um, of draw weight, which, you know, if you're going to try to shoot an arrow, anything over 10 yards, you know, you're pointing up at the ceiling, up at the sky. So every couple days, I'd slowly, slowly, slowly turn up my draw weight because I didn't want a shoulder injury, didn't need to be dealing with that. So every couple days, you're up in your draw weight, which means new sight tape, which means, you know, by the time you get used to that sight tape, you're doing it all over again. Um, you know, going home, I would wake up in the morning, I'd do some yoga, I would um, lift some weights. I was eating in a way that um, made sure that I was getting all of the nutrients that I needed to build that muscle, to heal um, those inside tissues. And um, 
everything that I did from May to June was with the thought of how is this going to help me get ready for um, the trail shoot? Yeah. Crazy. If this was a movie, that would have been like the uh, montage. Right. You know what I mean? The, the <laughs> before the big moment, it would have been the, yeah, the flashing scenes. And, yeah. and in some ways it's silly, right? Because yeah. it's a shoot. Right. You know, you don't, it, if I hadn't been able to go, would it have been the end of the world? No, it wouldn't have. I could have still gone down and saw my girlfriend for a couple days, you know, at the airport before she, before she went down there. But man, I wanted, I wanted it. I yeah. wanted to shoot this shoot. Um, and I can't even really explain why it was that doggone important to me. Um, and obviously my family knew how much I was, how hard I was working and, and what I was doing, but I didn't really say anything to anybody else hmm. because anytime I even hinted um, about how hard I was working, um, the people who care about me were, you know, make sure you don't overdo it, make yeah. sure you're taking it easy. And and I was listening to my body very much so because I didn't have time for another setback. But by golly, I was working hard and I was going to be ready for this shoot. So um, I went there last weekend up to 53 pounds of draw weight and and 100% ready to, to be on that course. Yeah. Didn't feel ill prepared at all. I mean, you felt like you were ready for it. The only thing that I, physically I felt like I was prepared for it um, from a I can I can physically handle this number of arrows. I can physically handle walking around the course. Um, what was really unprepared for me was because I was turning up my draw weight every few days, um, my sight tape wasn't as proven as it usually is when I go into a shoot. When I go into a shoot outdoors, Typically, I am 100% confident that my marks are bang on. Yeah. Um, and because I had made this sight tape less than a week before the shoot, I was a little bit nervous. Um, down there is different from our weather up here. And sometimes that can affect your your sight tape and your speed and things like that. So, you know, practicing up here where we had weather that was upper 50s, lower 60s, and really not a whole lot of humidity to contend with. Mm -hmm. Going down there where it's 90 degrees and, you know, again, I'm not even going to guess at the humidity, but lots. Hmm. Um, and again, that's where having confidence in your strings comes in handy because if you've got icky strings on your bow, then you're going to be, you're going to be chasing your sight tape all day long. So, I, I did not feel 100% confident in my tape. I knew my short marks were all hitting high. And this shoot is um, four yards. It depends on what stake you're shooting, but it's um, four yards to 101 yards. And truthfully, it's those short marks that are the hardest. Okay. Um, it isn't the 101, the 88, the, those shots. It's... Um, where do you aim it for? Where do you aim it eight? Where do you aim it six? Um, those are a little bit more technically challenging shots. And I knew that all my marks were high. So, you know, you walk up to the six yard stake and you're looking at your sight tape and you're thinking, you know, do I set it? Where, where do I want to set it for? You know, yeah. knowing that I'm high, um, do I want to set it for my mark and then just aim low or, 
you know, am I going to try to chase the perfect mark? And I chose last weekend to um, set it for my mark and aim low. There was one target that I did that on. And you just, again, you get in the groove and you just naturally pull up and I aimed on Mm -hmm. and I dropped a point out the top. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you drop a point at 11 yards and angry at yourself because you just forgot in that moment that you needed to aim low on that one. And again, you drop a point at 11 yards. Um, But, you know, you just forget and there's, you know, 65 more targets to shoot. So suck it up, buttercup and move on. So, um, yeah, my tape, my tape was not as prepared as ordinarily it, it would have been, but physically, physically, I knew I could shoot the course. Yeah. I want to just pause for a sec here. Right before you got on, you told the whole story that I said would be the montage, whatever else. Right? And you said that it's, <laughs> you just wanted it so bad. And early on, I was trying to ask you, what's the difference? Is it your hard work? Is it some natural ability? And you said maybe a, a bit of both. But I wonder if like the hierarchy theme that you can never replace and has to be there is just that wanting it. Right. You can Absolutely. have the other part of it, but if you don't want it to the point where you're like, every decision I make for the next month and a half is, does this better me or does this worsen me for the shoot? That's the difference in my head. Think yeah. about that. You've, if you are going to continue to compete, because there's no break in archery. Yeah. Um, if you're shooting competitive archery, you can choose what you want to shoot, but it is a year round thing. So it isn't like football where there's a, a season of a few months and then you've got the off season. Um, we go from indoors to outdoors to hunting to indoors to outdoors to hunting. There is always something. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want it, you're going to burn out. Um, so you have to, you have to, you have to feed that passion and continue to be passionate about it. Um, otherwise you really should take a break because you're just, you're just going to wear yourself out and end up not enjoying it anymore. Mm -hmm. And again, that goes back to the whole sponsor thing. If you aren't enjoying it because you feel the pressure to perform, then you have to look at it and reevaluate. To me, archery is so important to me as a person. Um, It isn't something I do. It's part of who I am now Mm -hmm. that I need to make sure that I'm not doing anything that's going to lose that for me, take that away from me. So I I make decisions that are best for me, Um, tournaments that I enjoy shooting, styles of archery that I enjoy shooting, and... And I don't think that I will ever go back to trying to make it a job because that just takes, it just takes the joy out of it. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back to the shoot though. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to touch on that real quick because that hit me when you were talking about how much you wanted it. But going back to the shoot, you were going into it. Did you have any expectations? I did not. Okay. Um, Last year, the the one that was in August, um, I took second at that. And, you know, you look back at it and the shots that I dropped points on were shots that I could have made. Mm -hmm. So I look back on that and I do think, well, you know, you only, you only dropped six points the entire shoot and the girl who won dropped four points the entire shoot and, and the, the arrows that you dropped again, super duper short arrows, um, and, and silly mistakes. The first point, I was clean. <laughs> I'll tell you my ham sandwich target 
story. I was clean two thirds of the way through the first day. And we walked up to a 14 yard target, um, these little badgers. And behind us was a station with um, refreshments, porta potty, that whole thing, right? So we walk up there and you know, you never walk up to a target saying it's a gimme, but you look at it, it's a gimme, right? It's yeah. flat as flat can be just a couple yards, easy peasy, right? So I'm at full draw and I'm listening to these people behind me ordering ham sandwiches and thinking, gosh, I want a ham sandwich. Um, that sounds good. When we're done with this target, I'm going to have a ham sandwich, right? And by golly, I missed that shot. Yeah. And I'm like, you just dropped your first point. You were clean and you dropped your first point because you were thinking of a dang ham sandwich. <laughs> um, and then I got mad, right? Because that should have been a shot that, you know, you can make blindfolded. So you have to take two shots at each target. So then you're like, well, don't don't think about ham sandwiches again. And they're still talking about ham sandwiches behind you. But now you're angry. So now you want it. And I was so mad leaving that target. I did not get myself a ham sandwich. I was like, doggone uh -huh. it. Yeah. Right? So this year, like the whole year, you know, as I was talking to my girlfriends who we were going with, I'm like, I am going to get a ham sandwich this year. Right? They didn't have ham, ham sandwiches. They oh, had hamburgers sure. and hot dogs. So we walk up to the ham sandwich target and I don't get my ham sandwich. Yeah. But I did clean that target this year. It was the same one. I don't know how the setup is. Was it another? This year it was the same thing. Okay. Yep. They keep their course um, very, very similar. They did change out a couple animals um, and, and they do um, refresh, like they don't allow the targets to get shot up and stuff like that. So they're replacing cores. But the general layout, you know, because that's a short, very short shot. So there isn't a whole lot that they can do with that layout. Um, the 101 yard shot, you know, it's Bigfoot. You're shooting, you're shooting a big, Bigfoot target. So, um, they keep that one pretty long because again, you can't just move Bigfoot anywhere you want to on mm -hmm. the range. You need that hundred yard shot. So those things, they stay similar. Some of the mid-level shots, you know, 20 to 30 yards, um, they can take and replace different animals and things like that. But a lot of those super short ones and the super long ones, they stay the same just because of just the practicality of the layout, keeping sure. those tiny targets at the short ones and the big ones um, at the longer shots. Um, but yeah, I I went into it with the goal that um, I wasn't going to drop silly points like that, like I did last year. But other than that, no, I didn't have any sort of... Um, I know the girls that I was shooting against and the caliber of archers that they are. And I knew that I wasn't going into it a hundred percent yet. Yeah. I was not as prepared as I was the year before. So I wanted to finish. I went in there with the goal of finishing, hmm. of, of being as competitive as I could be, um, of not making silly mental mistakes like missing a ham sandwich shot, but, um, but not of any sort of expectation, like I'm going to win this. Yeah. At what point in that shoot that you just got back from what we're talking about right now, at what point in that shoot did you realize, Hey, I actually have a chance here. When it was over. Really? Yeah. Um, they post scores after day one. 
And I had asked not to be told. Okay. I had made the decision to not look. I didn't want to know. Um, I knew that if I was in the top archers that um, I would feel pressure to not drop points. And I knew if I was in the bottom archers that I would feel disappointment that, you know, I wasn't performing up to what I could have been performing. Um, I knew that I scored the exact same score on day one as I did last year. So I knew that I had done as well as I did last year. Um, but I also knew that the it's, it's a shotgun start. So you start on a, everybody starts at the same time and you're starting on a different target. So I knew for day two, I had all the long targets. That's where we were starting. Um, Bigfoot was my second target of day two. So I knew that I had shot a lot of the easier targets on day one. So you can't, you kind of almost can't compare your score to anyone else's score because they shot different targets than you. Ultimately, at the end of the shoot, you're all, you're shooting all 70 targets. Everybody shoots the same thing. Um, But what they shot on day one and what I shot on day one, very different targets. Um, So I had asked to not be told by the people that I was traveling with. um, And I had, I had consciously not looked Mm -hmm. at the standings. Some people had made passing comments on the practice range. And when I saw them Sunday morning, the second morning, that kind of gave me the impression that I had done pretty well. And I really, really, really tried hard to put that out of my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did think about it. And I you know, as we're, as we're walking around, I thought, well, maybe I should just check, you know, cause it's on Facebook. They, they posted on Facebook. So I'm like, maybe I should just check just so that I'm, I don't have to think about it anymore. So I don't have to know. And then I thought, no, you didn't want to know for a reason. You just want to be out here enjoying it and just do the best you can. doesn't matter. You know, doesn't matter. You can't change yesterday's score. All you can do is, is do really well today. And I shot my bow very well, but um, I was dropping points left and right on the short targets because I was deflecting my own arrows out. Hmm. So you, for <clears throat> for equipment for that one, you have to. You can shoot really light, skinny arrows to get those long distances, um, and to decrease your wind the effect of wind on your arrows um or you can shoot a little bit larger arrows knowing that they're going to grab lines because all you have to do is touch the higher scoring area to get the higher value um and to sort of they're beefier so they're they're not as fragile um and if you're in a group where everybody's shooting really tight in the middle and you have some arrows that are that are the lighter, smaller arrows. Um, there's arrow carnage, hmm. and we're not talking cheap arrows. We're talking, you know, more than four hundred dollars a dozen for just the shafts, um, a few hundred bucks for points. Um, you can easily drop a thousand dollars on your arrows for a dozen um, for a shoot like this. So, I had made the choice to shoot um, 
23 diameter arrows, which are a little bit larger, a little bit beefier, um, grabbing lines and not being destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of girls lost a lot of arrows out there last weekend, boys too, but in my group, a lot of the the girls lost some arrows. So I had made, and, and it's a, it's a strategy it's a strategy move. But when you hit my arrow, um, your other arrow goes flying. And hmm. usually sometimes you get lucky and it and it is a good bounce, but more often than not, you're gonna you're gonna bounce out. So I dropped a point at eight yards, I dropped a point at ten yards, and again, I'm j I'm hitting my own arrow and just deflecting it out. You can't be mad. It's a good shot. It just just deflected out. Yeah. So I sort of started to get worried because I'm like, I'm hemorrhaging points. I'm hemorrhaging points. Um, but I just I just kept shooting and, and did the best that I could. And we got to our last target. Um, and again, I, I didn't know. I didn't matter. Um, it was a 35-yard buffalo that we were shooting at um, uphill. And... Shot my first arrow, went right in the middle. Everything was great. Knocked my second arrow, and there was something about the click when when I knocked that arrow, and it just hit me that it was my last arrow, and I did it. I did it. Um, and I started crying, and I'm huh. like, "Oh, you're stupid! Don't, stop! Stop crying! Stop crying! You still have an arrow to shoot. You know, you can't. You can't afford to." Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop crying and the girls all came up and, and were trying to calm me down and encourage me to not hurry up and shoot that last arrow. But I just, I wanted it gone. I yeah. just, I needed, but I got myself together, um, and shot it and it went in the middle and I just dropped to my knees because I was so thankful to have completed the course. I, you know, if I didn't know uh, in March when I had my second surgery, I didn't know that I would shoot outside at all this year. And I love shooting outside. I love it. Um, being in the woods with my, I just love it. And this is my favorite shoot. And, and I just, I wanted it so bad. And I worked I worked so hard not to win, but to be out there physically able to shoot that shoot. And so there I am in the dirt. We still have to go score, but I'm in the dirt sobbing. And there were other groups walking off the course. And I'm just so embarrassed because I'm this blubbering <laughs> mess. And and they're stopping and they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Is she okay? Is she hurt? And yeah, she's she's just being a blubber, you know, like she's just, just, yeah. Just a little emotional, but I, I honestly, I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. So you get back to the clubhouse um, and you start searching out the other girls in your class because, again, you weren't shooting together. Um, and it's hard. It's so hard to talk about score because you sound, you know, you don't want to walk up to somebody, so how'd you do? You know, it, it just... It sounds catty and, but, but you have to, because if you're tied, if you've scored the same score, you can't put your bow away. You need to be ready to go to a shoot off. Um, 
So you have to seek out the other people in your class and you have to ask the question, you know, how'd you do? Um, and fortunately everybody's nice and understands that. So, um, I pulled up the scores from day one and realized I had been leading, Hmm. um, but I only had a two point lead. Um, and the girls behind me, if they had cleaned it, then yeah, no, you, you're done. Um, and I didn't clean it. I dropped, um, I dropped a total of nine points. So it would have been, I dropped five points on day two. Um, and so you got to find the girls and you got to say, Hey, you know, where did we all land? Do we have to have a shoot off, you know, or can we put our bows away and just kind of know. And, um, after we talked, I realized that I did, I won. And honestly, that didn't feel any different than it didn't make me feel any better. I was already over the moon from just finishing. Um, yeah, there was, it was, it, it felt great. It felt, it felt amazing to have finished that course and known that I shot as well as I possibly could have. Yeah. The, all those mornings doing yoga, lifting weights, shooting like crazy, listening to your body, whatever else, I feel like that's all building up to that moment. And is that why you got emotional? Do you think Uh, it feels like there's just like a month and a half of like pent up fire in your belly and it all came out right that at that moment. Absolutely. Um, anytime you work hard for a goal, no matter what that goal is, when you achieve it, um, it's emotional, it's important, it's intense. And it doesn't matter what the goal is to know that you worked hard for something makes achieving that something mean even more. You know, if something's just given to you, if, if you, you know, if you're the only person in your class and you win a shoot, yeah, that feels good. You won. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, but to work hard for it, um, to know that there wasn't anything else that you could have done to make something happen that makes it mean a lot and it wasn't it wasn't that i was working hard for the win it was that i was working hard just to be out there yeah and um there is not another thing that i could have done you know you wake up early in the morning you go to the range you work out as much as you can, you eat right, you go to the range again, you work out more. Um, It takes, it is, it's a sacrifice, you know? Every minute you spend doing something is a minute you could have spent doing something else. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you have to consider those minutes precious and know that they were invested well. And it does. It made it all worth it that that it, I completed a course that a month ago I would have told you I didn't even know if I'd be physically capable of, of getting to. Right. And then to get first place, I know you said that didn't even make a difference. You were already so excited and so happy. But when you shot that last arrow or near the end, did you have any thoughts as to that could be a possibility or did you truly remove that from your mind? 
I had no idea it was a possibility. Okay. Honestly, with as many points as I dropped that second day, um, I really didn't think it would be I, I, that it would be possible to hmm. win. Um, again, I didn't know what the other girls shot the first day, so I didn't know that I was in first place going into it. But I knew that I dropped five points that second day. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of points to drop and to still think that you're going to gonna win something. So, um, I, you know, I knew that probably if, if anybody cleaned it, that, that there was no hope of me winning. Yeah. Um, but there's also, you know, they're out there fighting their own demons they're out there you know struggling with their own issues and you don't know what they're going through in any given moment um because in this particular shoot you're not peer grouped some shoots you are shooting with the the top you know archers in your division and so at any given moment you know exactly where you stand this was not that shoot um you know if, if you were shooting um nationals outdoor nationals for field and hunter um you would be on day two with the girls who shot you know if you were number one you would be with two three and four and at any given moment looking at the scorecards you would know exactly where everybody stood sure um with this one you just don't um so you know the caliber of archer that that you're competing against um the girl who took second, she cleaned it last year. Huh. Um, so she was certainly, you know, somebody that you would never say, yeah, nobody's going to clean it on day two because she did it. Right. Um, so you just, you just do your best and really try hard not to think about it. Yeah. I got a few questions. Quick one. You saying cleaning, are you meaning you d did not drop a point? Correct. Okay. So yep. I to make sure I had that understood correctly. So then, but after the shoot, you drove back home or you flew back home? Um, we drove, we stayed with a girlfriend in Saginaw. So we drove from, um, it's, it's a little bit south of um, Fort Wayne. So mid Indiana, um, we drove back to Saginaw. So we drove about five hours. You stay for the award ceremony. They have, um, awards and, um, things like that. So you always stay for that sort of stuff. Um, so you get your, this one you got, it's kind of three shoots in one. So you're competing for a medal, you're competing for a ring, and you're competing for money. Sure. And you can enter all three of those shoots, or you can enter just one if you want to. Um, I entered all three. So um, you you take out, you get the awards for whatever portions of the shoot that you entered. But we drove, we drove as far as Saginaw on... Um, on Sunday afternoon, um, and then slept for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then we got up Monday and, um, the girlfriend from Utah, you know, none of us can move, right? We are just as sore as sore can be. And she's never seen the Mackinac bridge. So I had to come North to get home. Um, so we drove two separate cars and, and she got to see the Mackinac bridge for the the first time ever so that was pretty cool but yeah la last year i didn't make it in one one day either i uh, made it as far as um mount pleasant last year and i had to i just 
pulled over and got a hotel because I couldn't, I couldn't make it another mile. I was done. Yeah. But I'm curious. So leaving the tournament, you were with your friend and then the next day you were by yourself driving or you had a different friend with you? Um, so it was three of us that drove down together. So three of us drove from, um, we'll say Fort Wayne, from Fort Wayne to um, Saginaw. So the three of us were in the car together. And then um, the the following day, um, the girlfriend from Utah and I drove together. Okay. And then she drove back down with the third friend. I gotcha. Um, so what I'm trying to get to is what was that feeling like in the car ride? And I think it'd be different if you were by yourself or with friends. So for this instance, you're with friends, but what was that like driving away, feeling that, letting that all settle in even today? I mean, you got to still, this was how many days ago? It was Sunday. So four, four days days ago. ago. Um, archers are interesting because we are all the girls that I were with, I would consider to be two of my biggest cheerleaders. Um, I consider myself incredibly lucky because um, I have some archery girlfriends who have my back no matter what, who aren't overly competitive with me. Sure. Um, But they also wanted to do their best. So you're exhausted leaving the tournament. And I know that they are incredibly proud of me. Um, Not not for winning, um, but for... You know, they were, you know, they were with me through every second of, you know, the surgery and um, the disappointments around the first one not being successful and having to have a second one. So they know exactly what I went through. And at the same time, again, everybody's dealing with their own stuff. So they had had their own life struggles and issues Um that were on their mind and how they prepared for the tournament. Um, so you leave a tournament and, you know, it, it isn't a, everybody's happy for you, but on the other hand, they are introspective toward themselves and what their tournament experiences and what they're taking away from it. So, you know, we left and it was, let's find food. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, Sure. Okay. I can see that dynamic. Whereas if say they were just sidelines watching you cheering, right. It'd be a lot different versus them competing as well. Yes, absolutely. So so moving on beyond that and whether it's the same, whether you're with them or by yourself, but still, what are you going through as you're driving away? And then driving to is a, you talk about archery being a meditative thing, driving to me is a meditative thing. And I'm curious what that process is like for you driving home. Um, Well, this this year I was driving a rental car because I hit a deer the week before. So <laughs> it was it was a hard car to drive. It was not a very I, so I was missing my car. Um, but yeah, you're you're excited. You know, you're thinking about who you have to tell and and you know and things like that. So going through my mind is, um, you know, I texted my mom, I texted my husband, um, my kids, but I'm also thinking you know, I'm going to text my surgeon. And um, you're thinking about um, things that you have to do, you know, um, just social media posts that you have to do. Again, because I only have, I'm I'm not under a lot of contracts. um, I don't have to think about that quite as hard as everybody else does. 
um, who chooses to shoot under contracts because that's a huge part of it is mm. your social media obligations. Um, but so you're just you're thinking about what you want to say and and um, you know how you're going to move forward. But you know you're also you're also just looking ahead to okay it's over with and um, there's a feeling of disappointment um, because you know for me so much of the last few months has been spent preparing for this and looking forward to this and now it's um okay the turn not only is the tournament over but now i have to say goodbye to this girlfriend and you know i don't know when i'll see them again so my girlfriend from saginaw you know i see her throughout the year because she pretty much competes in the same tournaments that i do but you know somebody from across the country, you aren't going to see them for a very long time. So you're also thinking about saying goodbye to your friends. And um, so it's bittersweet. You know, yeah. you you spent a lot of time preparing for it and now it's over. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, now what? Mm -hmm. you know? But Do you, I really respect your ability to not take sponsors and realize that or remove yourself from them because you realize that's taking the fun away from it. Uh, and even the, the not looking at the score, same thing I, in any event, anything I'm in, I do much better if I'm not keeping track of whatever it is or looking at myself compared to others. Uh, but with that, do you have thoughts of going to like the NFAA pro level or anything like that? Or would that again, put a lot of pressure on and take away from the fun that you'd have? I used to, um, I, I used to want that. Okay. Um, and now I look at it as cost versus benefits and having starting to climb up that, you know, that competitive ladder a little bit and getting just a small glimpse of what it's like on the other side. Um, I don't think I'm cut out for that. Okay. I, I think if I put my mind to it, I could, I don't, I don't want to say I could even be competitive because the, the caliber of Archer in that class and the time that they dedicate to being excellent at what they do that is just not something that I can see myself giving year after year, day after day. Right. Um, because, again, it is their job. So they wake up every morning knowing that in order to put food on the table, you know, they have to compete this tournament circuit um, and and compete well. And because it isn't my job because it isn't what's putting food on the table it isn't i don't have quite the fire that they have to have to mm -hmm. do that um and it and it there's a cost to it um they are so supremely dedicated to what they do um that it's it's 100% their life um and i have you know, I have a family and um, 
you know, my kids need a little more of me than training that hard would allow me to give to them. My husband needs a little more of me than training that hard allow would allow me to give. My friends need more of me than training like that would allow to give. Yeah. Um, if you look at their travel schedule, their training schedule, um, it is intense. And you look at the archers who do that, they tend to be married to other archers hmm. or in relationships with other archers. Um, they tend to often not have children. Or if they do have children, you know, they're they're just starting their families and things like that. And so you look at cost versus benefit. What am I going to get if I do that? Um, I think I will get less enjoyment from archery. Um it will cost a lot more in terms of finances because um, entry fees in tournaments are higher. There's going to be more travel expenses involved. Um, I don't see a way to do it without going back to um, the sponsors and the contracts. Um, They do that because that helps them afford those things. And I don't want to be in that bubble. Okay. Um, so for me, I would, I love competing. Um, I'm very passionate about doing my best when I do, um, sign up for a tournament, but I don't, I don't see what I would gain by going pro. I see a lot of negatives, but I just really don't see a reason to do it. Yeah. Again, I, I respect that too. That's to have that insight because it could be easy to go down that path. Difficult from the actual act of doing, but easy meaning you can always just search for the biggest and better and next on a, on what like the, the the group would want you to have or society would want you to have or whatever else. But having the uh, wherewithal and the knowledge and the ability to say that, hey, actually this isn't a benefit for me. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a sweet place to be. And it it's only a pride thing, you yeah. know? Um, the, the pride of saying I'm a pro archer, the pride of saying, you know, I'm sponsored by X, Y, Z. Um, again, everybody wants to be wanted. Sure. Um, but when you look at it from a reality standpoint, you know, it's like, it's like the, the high school football player who wants to go pro, you know, there's so many people who want that Mm -hmm. and there's so few who make it. Sure. And, and I just, I love archery from a sport standpoint. I love the way archery makes me feel. Um, I love the friendships that it's given me, the camaraderie. I love feeling like I'm physically strong. Mm -hmm. Everything that I love about it has nothing to do with making it a job or a paycheck. Sure. Um, so I choose to keep the things that I love about it and do it on my terms. Yeah. I have two questions, unless you have anything else you want to cover, but one of them, your, your kids and your husband, are they, do they shoot at all? Or is this something that they did for a bit and you surpassed them? Well, once mom started shooting, um, the kids sort of trickled out of it. (laughs) Um, and, and I think that's normal, you know, it, part of it is, um, 
mom's always there and sure. yeah, you want to spend time with them, but you know, um, mom was maybe there a little bit too much and I never wanted to put pressure on them to do it. Um, and the other thing is mom is, is pretty okay at this and we can't beat mom anymore. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> let's move on to something else now, you know, two of my kids are adults. Um, so my kids are, um, 21, 19 and um, going to be 14. So the two adults, you know, they do, they do their own stuff now. Um, and then my 14 year old is, is pretty into biking and, and of course, video games and things like that. Um, spending time with friends, all of that. So mm-hmm. um, they will, they still all have bows and they will come shoot with me occasionally but um it is not a competitive thing and it's just a it's just a for funsies kind of thing mm-hmm. they don't they don't shoot tournaments anymore right the so my last question is for somebody else that is looking to get into this i guess i i almost want to take it too far and say if somebody else wants to shoot competitively well let's say two questions if somebody enjoys shooting now mm-hmm. and they're thinking about taking it competitively what is that what do those steps look like? And then I'll save my question for after that. We live in a great place um, to kind of get started because um, we have an archery shop that cares. Yeah. Um, and I cannot emphasize enough how much um, time and effort Shelly puts into um, our local organization, the UPFAA, the Upper Peninsula Field Archery Association. So to get started, you know, you have people right here in the UP who are willing and capable of getting you started on the right foot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really awesome. There, there are people, uh, you know, in other places who would have to walk into a Cabela's having no idea what equipment to buy, um, nobody to guide them through rules or, you know, shooting styles or anything like that. We have all of that. So, mm-hmm. um, as far as local competitions, we have some fantastic archers up here um, that you get to shoot side by side with and learn from. Hmm. Um, so from that perspective, it's phenomenal. From a how many tournaments are locally and what styles, not so great. You have to, you have to be willing to travel if you really, really want to do it. Um, there are, there's a lot of 3D in Wisconsin. Um, and downstate Michigan. Um, but you're, you're, if you really, really have your heart set on it, you're looking at, at some traveling. Um, so you have to be willing to go on the road. So I, you know, I guess it looks like going to a shop, um, being honest about your goals, um, being willing to take some coaching and some criticism, um, and some pointers. And from there, just really being willing to um, put in some time because um, there's nothing that replaces practice time. You yeah. have to get those arrows in. Right. And and I think your answer almost applies to both settings, right? The the person who's into it, but would be excited to go compete. But how about somebody that's totally brand new? I guess that go to a shop and again, I'd recommend yeah. Shelly a uh, um, hundred times a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't want to go to a big box store. 
You don't want to buy your stuff online from Amazon. I can't tell you how many people we have that bring things to us at the shop that genuinely don't fit them or aren't the best choice for them, aren't, you know, the quality they were looking for or, or whatever. So, um, you're so much better off just going to the shop and, you know, explaining your goals. If you're a hunter, but you want to be able to compete with your hunting setup, um, you know, we're going to make recommendations based on that. If you have zero interest in hunting uh, and you just want to be a straight up target archer, let's talk about that. You know, how many, what classes, what class do you want to shoot? Because bow hunter class, you're shooting pins and you don't move those pins around. Mm -hmm. There are limits on stabilizers, that sort of thing. Freestyle is lots of bells and whistles, but a little pricier to get into from the get go. So being honest about what you want and what your goals are, um, we can fit you into something, recommend something um, that will get you started on the right foot. And again, always willing to help with the tips and the tricks that are going to give you an advantage as compared to somebody who you know, ordered a bow off of Amazon and is now trying to figure out why they keep hitting their arm with the string. Yeah, right. No, Shelly at Straight Line has created a community, but she does an unbelievable job. Yes. Um, and I'd like to actually just chat with her too about some of her history and all that kind of stuff as well. But how did that come to be that you ended up working with her? Was it eventually like, hey, you're spending five hours a day here anyway, you might as well <laughs> start working? Um, You know, if, if you asked her, she'd tell you everything happens for a reason. Okay. Um, so... Just as I was starting to become really into archery and passionate about it, um, Randall, her partner at the shop, um, he had to go back to Australia to renew his visa. And so you have him who is, oh, you should talk to him sometime because he is, he is just brilliant. Hmm. Um, and he has just an absolute wealth of experiences all around the world to tell you about, um, but he had to leave. And you have me who doesn't know anything, but has this huge drive to learn. Um, and, and I had the ability to, my kids were a little bit older, so I had the ability to be there. And then you have Shelly who needs somebody there. Mm-hmm. So Randall had to leave. Um, and... I wanted to learn and she needed help. And so all of that came together and um and essentially I just I adopted her. Hmm. She was she was going to be my mentor by golly and and she was going to teach me everything and and Randall said to me when he left, "Take care of her." And yeah. <laughs> and I was going to take care of her. So um you know, it it wasn't anything we ever really sat down and and plotted and planned here's how it's going to go um it just sort of worked out the first summer that i worked there i i I, you know randall left and and i showed up and i just kept showing up and just kept coming kept coming at first all i could do was adjust sights on kids bows you know or set 
or hang targets on the wall or take out the trash. Um, and then that evolves slowly, slowly, slowly into um, being able to do a little bit more. Okay, now I can tie a D loop or, or whatever. Um, I can still remember I was there a year before I was allowed to press a bow. Mm -hmm. And it was a little PSE mini burner, right? Like, how can you screw that up? So I still remember how nervous I got pressing that bow. Um, but you just keep learning, you keep working, you keep, um, you just keep watching. And, um, I had a notebook that I would write things in and I called it the book of knowledge. And the very first entry in it is like aluminum arrows are the spines are by numbers, something, something totally silly. Like hmm. now you look at it, of course they're by numbers. Like what else would they be? But that was you know, I learned how to fletch arrows. That was probably the first thing that I did. And, you know, I figured if that's all I can do in the shop, if all I can do is fletch arrows, well, then by golly, I'm going to be the best darn arrow fletcher out there. Um, and then that first hunting season happens and it's just trial, but, you know, you're just thrown right into the fire and you just sink or swim. You just do it. Yeah. Um, and so now it's been more than five years and, there are still things that um, I have, I, you know, I look at the things that I'd like to learn how to do and um, the list is enormous. But at the same time, um, there isn't much that I can't do if I had to do it. So um, Shelly's been able to go to Australia a couple times. Hmm. Um, and that was when I learned that that is not a one-person job, that it is definitely a job that, you know, we we work better as a team. Yeah. The, yeah. the first time she left, um, she left during hunting season, and Randall and had said, you know, it's it's slower during hunting season, so you'll be okay. You know, everybody's out with, not, not archery season, but um, rifle season. You know, historically, it's slow, it's slow, it's slow. And I can still remember a, a Zoom call that we had, and there's me with a bottle of brandy. It's not slow, yeah. guys. It's not slow. <laughs> yeah. But. Huh. Um, what about two, and I, I said a last question a while ago, but I got one more. Um, is it fun to see or have you seen or would you be excited to see on like a mentorship level, some young girl, young guy, whatever else, or any age, somebody else getting into it and seeing the same fire that you had right from the beginning? We actually do get to see that sometimes at the shop. There are some kids that we have watched shoot for years and years and years. And it is so fun to see them progress and yeah. get better. Um, and then, you know, we've had some new people come in and, you know, you watch them and the fire that's underneath them and, and, you know, you think about where you used to be. And, and it, it brings back memories and you think, was, was I like that? And, mm -hmm. and I actually asked Shelly that the other day, um, about a young man. Um, I looked at her and I said, you know, he reminds me of me five years ago. Was I like that? Um, and you, you just see the fire and the passion in people. Um, sometimes it's for hunting and sometimes it's for target archery, but you watch these kids grow up and it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that too. Even in, I'm thinking about real estate or whatever else you get to the point where, you know, always learning every day, right? Just like yes. you're in the archery field, you're always learning, but I'm saying from the, what you knew initially 
and all the little caveats and nuances that you know now compared to then, I don't know, there's something exciting and refreshing to be engaging with somebody that's back where you were and you didn't know all these 10 variables that go into this one part of the equation. You know what I'm trying to say? I don't know. There's something yeah. about like being naive to what you don't know and, and also just, yeah, that reliving that fire and that passion or whatever else. But And also the reassurance that you can provide them because sure. I, you know, I haven't been in this long enough to have forgotten being new. Some people, you know, they're so privileged that they have, it's wonderful. They get to grow up around it. Mm -hmm. That wasn't me. You know, I, I found it, you know, when, as an adult. So, you know, when they're feeling their self doubts or when they're expressing to you that they wish they could shoot like you and you're remembering being in that archery shop, looking at the person next to you thinking, man, I wish I could shoot as good as they did. You're in such a unique position because you have the ability to reassure them that, you know, that was just me. It was just me. And you can do it too. You can, if you work hard, you know, you can do anything that you set your mind to. Um, And I will help you. I, you know, and Shelly will help you and Randall will help. They will all help you. Um, nobody here um, in our area is um, in it for selfish reasons. We are all just so excited to have other people come out and shoot with us. Um, so excited to, you know, try to grow archery as much as we can to give back because it's given so very, very, very much to us. Um, and you know, you see, you see that little girl and you, and you just, you just want to help her no matter, no matter what she needs. Yeah. Just, just help. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because that put it into context for me. That's what it is. I think, because I'm talking about the new real estate agent, for mm-hmm. example, that I'm resonating with and I'm thinking of that, how awesome that is. And I think that's what it is too. Cause it's so fresh in your mind that you can remember exactly what they're going through. You felt that three years ago or six years ago or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, very cool. The other thing we should close out with too, if anybody is thinking about getting into that whole world, we should shout out Shelly straight line archery and you at straight line archery in Ishpeming, um, and say, go give you guys a visit. Absolutely. It's a great place to get started. Um, you'll get just a wealth of knowledge. Um, you'll, be pointed in the direction of equipment um, that fits your needs and your budget and whatever it is that you're looking to do. Um, there is something out there that, you know, we can work with you. Um, everybody leaves, you know, sighted in and um, shooting to the best of their ability. Um, anytime anybody buys equipment from us, we always give a few hours of free shooting so that they can come back and we can help them. Um, because again, there's that aspect of getting started on the right foot and not developing those bad habits from the get go. Yeah. You know, it, it puts you leaps and bounds ahead of anything else. And yeah, there's, there's the internet. There's so much out there right now, but it's sort of like, well, what do you believe? You know, different people say different things. Um, there's something to be said for having somebody with experience standing right next to you telling you what you need to do. So, 
Um, 100%. Shelly's been doing it for 25 years now. And she can, I, I call her the bow goddess. Yeah. <laughs> she can, um, she can take any piece of equipment, um, and, and make it work for, for somebody, um, fix you up. And, and again, she's been doing it for so very long that she just has a wealth of knowledge to give to people. Yeah. And I'll say this, I still have a ton of learning to do and I'm a fairly low grade archer. Um, but for me being three or four years in, into it and then going to visit Shelly two years ago was a overnight improvement. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, and she, she can look at you. Um, and it, it, her brain is like a computer processing chip for archery, right? She identifies things that you can do to shoot better. Um, and a lot of it is a very, very simple thing, um, to, to change. Um, some of it is, you know, maybe your bow needs a little bit of a tweak, you know, you're shooting a draw length that's too long, too short, you know, maybe, you know, you're pulling more poundage than you really ought to be or whatever. But, um, yeah, in, in one session, she can take you from, you know, maybe spraying arrows at 20 yards, the size of a paper plate to, you know, hitting everything inside the bullseye. Yeah, absolutely. Mindy, I appreciate you willing to come on here and share the story. It's really cool, again, to hear the birth of it, but also the story. I want to realize that the work that you went through, you hinted at it before, but the work that you went through, again, I keep saying it was like the montage in a movie. I don't know. That's so cool to think about that. Not even the movie part, but I'm saying think about you going through that and then shooting that shoot and have it all come together and get emotional right at the end. All of it is fun to hear. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Mindy. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.